10 Minute Talks, a podcast in which the world's leading professors explain the latest thinking in the humanities and social sciences in just 10 minutes. Hello, my name is Christian List, and I'm giving this talk as part of a series of short talks organized by the British Academy, the UK's Academy for the Humanities and Social Sciences. I would like to talk to you today about why science has not refuted free will. The idea of free will is familiar. When we walk into a coffee shop, we think it's up to us whether to have coffee or tea. And when we think about more serious matters, let's say which job to apply for or whether to get married, we think those choices are up to us too. Of course, what we do is constrained by our environments, our means and our habits. And there are all sorts of subconscious influences. But still, we have this powerful intuition that there is some room for choice. I had a coffee this morning, for instance, but I feel that I could have had a tea instead. The choice was mine. Free will is the capacity to choose and control our actions. This idea is central to our practices of assigning responsibility to one another, both in morality and in the law. And it's also central to our human self-understanding as agents. Yet this idea of free will has come under attack in recent years. Many science writers and some scientists are telling us that free will is an illusion. According to the skeptics, human actions aren't the results of conscious choices, but they are caused by physical processes in the brain and body, over which people have no control. Human beings, these skeptics say, are just complex physical machines, fully determined by the laws of nature and prior physical conditions. So, for example, the fact that you're listening to this talk right now was predetermined by prior physical processes, perhaps even by the initial state of the universe at the time of the Big Bang, given the laws of nature, just as the date of the next solar eclipse is predetermined. And so the idea of free will seems out of place in science. The aim of some of my recent work, especially a recent book, has been to give a response to this scientifically motivated free will skepticism. My thesis is that free will is not undermined by a scientific worldview. Rather, once it's understood in the right way, it's actually supported by it. I now want to give you a brief sketch of my argumentative strategy. The first point to note is that contemporary free will skepticism of the sort that is motivated by science is typically based on a reductionistic worldview, a worldview according to which everything is reducible to physical processes. If we look at the world from the perspective of the physical sciences alone, we'll see only particles, fields and forces. Perhaps we'll also see molecules and more complicated physical processes, like chemical reactions in the body and brain. But we won't see any human agency choice and free will. Human beings on this picture are nothing more than physical systems. Of course, the skeptics think that this is the right conclusion to draw, and so they see no room for free will. But I think it's a mistake to equate science with reductionism. Science doesn't force us to think of humans just as heaps of interacting particles. Take the sciences of human behavior, from anthropology and psychology to economics and sociology. Well, they are a very diverse range of disciplines, but in all of these sciences, it's standard practice to think of people as intentional agents with a capacity for making choices and for responding intelligently to their environments. Scholars in all of these fields explain human behavior by depicting people as choice-making agents, with beliefs and desires, with goals and plans, on the basis of which they decide which actions to pursue. Of course, there are lots of disagreements about the details of how this works. 
if you uh, ask economists, they'll give you a very different picture of human agency than anthropologists, for instance. But still, the general presupposition of intentional agency is present in all of these sciences. This explanatory practice doesn't assume anything supernatural. It just reflects the fact that agency, intentionality, and choice are essential postulates if we wish to make sense of human behavior. To illustrate this, think about some familiar questions about human behavior. Why does someone who has made an appointment normally show up? Why does a taxi driver take you to your specified destination? Why do consumers respond to price changes? Why do people vote the way they do? Well, all of these behaviors become reasonably intelligible if we think of people as having agency, intentionality, and choice. They have different options, they consider these options from their perspective, and then they select one of these options in a more or less goal-directed manner, even if the resulting choices aren't always fully rational. Now, if we thought of people as mere physical machines, as heaps of interacting particles, we would overlook the intentional nature of their actions. And instead, we just get overwhelmed with physical details. It would be like trying to explain market transactions, voting decisions, or cultural activities from the perspective of particle physics. That would clearly be a category mistake. So these considerations should illustrate that the physical sciences alone can't explain human behavior satisfactorily. At most, they can give us some insights into the mechanisms by which human agency is produced in physical organisms. These are, of course, important insights, and they can complement the more humanistic and social scientific explanations of human behavior, but they don't replace them. Now comes a central point. Once we think of humans in this non-reductionistic way, we are actually presupposing some form of free will, of course, without anything supernatural. Free will, soberly speaking, can be defined as the capacity for uh, for intentional agency, for choice among alternative possibilities, and for control over the resulting choices. This capacity is presupposed when scientists depict people as choice-making agents, whether in anthropology, psychology, economics, or sociology. Now, the skeptics will probably say, well, that's just a useful fiction. The free will presupposition is not literally true. But consider how scientists normally settle questions about what is and is not real. Why do they accept gravity and electromagnetism as real, for instance, but not ghosts and spirits? Well, the answer is that science must refer to gravity and electromagnetism to explain physical phenomena. They're indispensable ingredients of a coherent theory of the world. On the other hand, postulating ghosts and spirits is explanatorily useless. Generally, to figure out whether something is is real, scientists ask two questions. First, is postulating this entity or property necessary for explaining the world? And second, is it coherent with the rest of our scientific worldview? If the answer to both of these questions is yes, then this postulated entity or property meets the reality test, and scientists treat it as real, at least provisionally. This test is basically a version of the long-established Occam's razor principle, and it can be applied not just to physics. It also supports the reality of higher-level entities and properties of the sorts that we study in the special sciences, for instance, organisms, ecosystems, institutions, and, of course, human agency. These must also be accepted as real if we wish to explain our world, even if fundamental physics doesn't speak about them. Now, when we think about free will in this way, we get a new perspective. If the human and social sciences must postulate intentional agency and choice to explain human behavior, 
Then those properties pass the first part of our reality test. They are explanatorily indispensable. But what about the second part of the test, which was coherence with the rest of science? Well, here we must show that our psychological and social scientific theories of human agency are compatible with fundamental physics. I think they are, even though they use notions such as agency and choice that we don't find in physics. The key to the compatibility of the physical and agential perspectives lies in the insight that we need explanations at different levels to make sense of the world. And these different explanations require different level-specific concepts and categories. The philosophy of science, and especially an approach called non-reductive physicalism, can help us to clarify why thinking about the world in one way at a higher level, for instance in terms of agency, is compatible with thinking about the world in another way, in physical terms, at a lower level. So to sum up what I've argued, of course very briefly, is that the idea of free will is supported by the sciences of human behavior. Specifically, this is so when we define free will as the capacity for agency, intentionality and choice. Postulating this capacity is explanatorily indispensable in the human and social sciences. And so denying free will would be warranted only if this postulate weren't needed for explaining human behavior or if it were somehow incoherent. But I do think it's explanatorily needed as well as coherent. Of course, future science might still give us a, give us a radically different approach to the explanation of human behavior and perhaps even vindicate some form of reductionism. If this were really the case, we would have to reassess the present conclusions. But I don't think science is currently heading in this reductionistic direction at all. And so I want to finish by noting that just as we wouldn't deny the reality of organisms, ecosystems and institutions just because fundamental physics doesn't refer to them, so we shouldn't deny the reality of agency, choice and free will either. Thanks for listening to this British Academy podcast. Please subscribe, share and rate this series from wherever you get your podcasts. For more events and conversations, please visit www.thebritishacademy.ac.uk or find and follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.